I actually have notes tonight, so watch, <laughs> so watch out. <laughs> we'll see if I actually go to them, but I have them, you know. Dude, this water's not from God. <laughs> do you see it bounce? Oh, please don't do that. <laughs> please don't do that. <laughs> Let's see if this one works. He's a little better. He's a little better. <laughs> He's still dangerous, though, next to that. What y'all do to these waters, man? <laughs> I'm sorry. I know what I'll do. I'll take a sip. Yeah. You got a flatter bottom. I just feel like I'm going to do this. You know what I'm saying? I feel like it's going to happen. It's going to be like, ah, iPad, die. <laughs> no, it don't matter. It's cool. I'm just being silly. You got some green M&Ms? I'm only kidding. <laughs> I'm only kidding. <laughs> if I'd have failed, we'd all laughed. <laughs> I almost fell in the foyer, didn't I? <laughs> I tripped. Anybody trip when they walk in the door in this place? Only me. You. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate your honesty. Amen. Y'all got that little tiny lip that's just enough to get you, you know. Anyway, praise God. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. Man. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for this night. And uh, Lord, I thank you that time is special. It's the one commodity that we don't get back in terms of this life. But Lord, I, I, um, I just thank you that this is a special Kairos time, Lord, of just a word and due season um, in, in to, to, to everybody here and everybody watching online. And Lord, we just... We thank you for this time together, and uh, Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you fill it with yourself. And Spirit of God, we just honor you. You are the teacher. No man can teach anything but by the anointing, by the Spirit of God. And I just acknowledge you, and I just thank you for uh, shining Jesus tonight. And Lord, we just, we thank you for that. You reveal your son tonight and just speak that word in due season. Father, I just thank you for helping me to love these people, Lord, the way you love them. And just flood this place, Lord, with your presence. Your presence is already here, Lord, but just your love, Lord. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, we're, um, we're living in a time when um, a lot of different things are trying to... Let's see here. How many know that, that, that you're, you are in... A constant state of some form of expectation. You know, um, you're, there's an, we, we're, we, ex, we, we have an expectation of things. We are, you know, kind of expecting things. And, um, and everybody has that. You can have an expectation of good and you can have an expectation of evil. And um, God wants to get to your heart and, um, cause your heart to experience such a level of love that you, um, that your expectation is serviced and cleansed and healed and made right. Because the proper expectation for your life is good. That's what you, that's what, that's what God wants you to do, me to do, is to have an expectation of good. And, um, but how many know that, that in the world that we're living in today, there are a lot of different voices, and there's a lot of different reports. And how I many know oh, there? There seems to be a a concerted effort to deposit an expectation inside of people of evil, 
and of destruction and of bad things. And, um, and, and the world does that. The world's always done that. Um, but how I many you know the church does it too? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it's really not healthy and it's really not, it's not good. And, um, um, and so the enemy, because if everyone in the entire planet is expecting evil, um, how many know that's going to cause the, the, you know, the atmosphere and the things that happen on here to probably not be so good? See, if you, if you look um, in the, the Greek, you know, the word for hope is el peace. And um, if you look in the Hebrew, that same word uh, for hope, how I many you know Hebrew, you, know, you talked about the language today, it's a very rich language. And, and the word picture that the Hebrew gives for hope is... Um, is you tie a string to something, and then with that string, you draw it to you. Now, hope and expectation are the same word um, in the Greek. So, el peace means hope, which means expectation. How many know in our modern-day vernacular, we use the word hope very loosely? I hope so. But in the, moder- in, in, in the original language, the, what hope actually means is an expectation. And so, in the Hebrew that that string that you're that that it whatever you're expecting you're drawing into your life. Are y'all tracking me? Anybody ever were you ever afraid and felt like you were going to fall? How I many know if you're afraid and you feel like you're going to fall, you're more likely to fall because you have an expectation of falling. Are, you, are y'all tracking me here? And so um, this this expectation that God wants to place in your life um, is an expectation of good. Because, how I many know the Bible says that God said he knows the thoughts that he thinks towards you to give you a future and a hope, to give you uh, an expected end, right? And so God's desire is for us, for our expectation to not be set by the world, not be set by legalism, but our expectation to be set by the fact that number one, he's all powerful, and number two, he loves us. Amen. How I many know if, if God loves us then and, and when he's all-powerful, how I many know that we can have an expectation of good in the earth? Amen. And so God, God wants to bring that, that expectation into our hearts, and it's only done through love. How I many know there's a lot of people out there that they're not expecting good, they're expecting bad. And it's a result of the report that they're hearing. It's a result of the things that they're seeing. You know, the media is really masterful at, you know, creating you know, fear and pandemonium and, um, and creating really an expectation of evil. And so God wants us to have an expectation of good and to set ourselves. And so the, the reason, you know, I talked about this a little bit this morning, but um, famine and, and, and challenging times have historically, you know, scripturally always been times where God's people really flourished you know, um, because in, in times like this, things are, are moving. Um, things are very, um, what's the word that I'm trying to use? Things are very fluid. How I many you know money's moving everywhere right now in the world? Like flashing here, going over here, and flashing here, and going over there. And how I many you know that, um, that business, the business industry is also changing? How I many you know that it's also very fluid as well? And how many know ministry as well? How many know everything is changing right now? Everything's in a state of flux. Everything's in a state of change. Now, the beauty of that type of environment is when things are that fluid and they're they're moving that much, how many know that the same thing happened 
when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. How many know there's all kinds of crazy going on? And things were very fluid, but how many know there was a wealth transfer? There's a, a transfer of wealth from the Egyptians into the Israelites. Amen. What, don't you guys think it'd be great if we could defund the porn industry? Wouldn't that be fabulous? You know what I'm saying? I mean, because it is a multi, multi-billion dollar industry that ruins people's lives everywhere. And, but the reason that their voice is so loud is they have so much money. You know, I mean, it is honestly one of the, you know, that whole, the porn industry and the sex trafficking industry, it's, it's very, there's tons and tons of money that's involved in it. Don't you think it'd be great to punch darkness <laughs> in its place of the root of all evils, the love of money, right? And so, how many know that God, money in and of itself is not evil. How many know that God wants to take money and give it into good people's hands so they can do good things with it? Can I get an Amen. Money's not evil, you know, uh, uh, you know the, but God wants to give it to the right people and take it out of the hands of the wrong people so that we can get some things done in the earth. You know, one of the reasons that grace has been so, how many know we have the truth? Can I get an amen? But how many know it's been a little slow in taking off in terms of it really going worldwide and really dominating the church and bringing the church into, into um, its original intent? you know, which was, you know, a gracious relationship with the Lord and all of these things. And the reason is, I mean, you know, legalism has a loud voice. They're louder than us. You know why they're louder than us? They have more money. <laughs> it's just the truth. Amen. You know, I mean, they, they, they've held down the fort, you know, on Christian television and, and on, you know, and on, you know, radio and internet and all of these things for so long and, and how many know that you can really churn up tons of money through condemnation and guilt? You can build massive churches, bless God. You can, you can do all. Because if you make people think they have to give in order for God to love them or like them or bless them or not curse them, then you have a direct inline into somebody's pocket based upon their reverence and fear of God. And it is a massive, massive money-making system. Amen. And so, really, social media has given grace people a voice because it doesn't take any money to get on, you know, not much. It doesn't take much money to get on social media, you know. And so, there's like this grassroots movement that's really kind of moving, and, um, and it's happening. But, but how many know the voice of grace should get louder than the voice of legalism? How many know that the house of David should get stronger and stronger and the house of Saul get weaker and weaker and weaker. And when I'm talking about David and Saul, I'm, I'm, I'm giving, you know, typologies of, of uh, basically relationship and, you know, man-made religion. And so, you know, God in this time wants to bless you so much that um, you become a blessing to other people, and you become a help to other people, and you, you have an opportunity to have influence, and you have an opportunity to help. How many know it's awesome to get a miracle from God? Can I get an amen? But how many know it's awesome to be the miracle, to be the person that delivers the miracle from God? You may ever had your rent paid, or, you know, or, or your, your, uh, your mortgage paid, or um, you know, or a bill paid or something where someone just come up and just, just said, look, I've been thinking about you and I just want to, 
I just want to pass this. Anybody ever had that happen to him before? I mean, it's awesome. It's a huge blessing. And um, God wants that for you. God wants to bring you into such a place of blessing and abundance that he can use you to help your community. He can use you to help, you know, the people that are around you, the people that are connected with you, your community. I mean, you know, the answers, and we've covered this before, how I many answers not in politics? But the church, it's time for the church to really rise up in the blessing of the Lord that God has given to us so that we can use our influence for good um, and not for evil. Can I get an amen? And, um, and I know, you know, this type of preaching can make people nervous, you know what I'm saying, when you talk about finances and stuff. But, um, but how many know that, that mo- once again, money's not evil. Can I get an amen? It's the love of money that's evil, right? And, 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 and the blessing is not just about a financial blessing. How many know God wants healing rolling through you? How I many know God, um, you know, he, he wants love in all of the beautiful forms that it flows out of you, um, to be to be released, and so I say all that to say this: This is the greatest time the church has ever seen. These are the greatest days of your life, and it's not time for us to cower. It's not time for us to draw back. It's time for us to put our shoulders back and move forward because there's a lot of work to be done. Amen. How many know the field? The fields are ripe for harvest. Amen. And how much? How much better? Uh, for us, to, for the harvesters to be people that know the Father and know His love and know His nature and have an opportunity to reach out and show that same love for people. What if on every corner we didn't have some condemnation preacher preaching hellfire and brimstone, we had somebody out there actually preaching the gospel? You know what I'm saying? But the challenge with grace people is we're too comfy. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I am satisfied with Jesus. And that's an okay place, and it's a good place, and it's a wonderful place to be. But how many know that at the end of the day, we're, and once again, tagging on to what we were talking about this morning, we're here to demonstrate the justice of God in the earth, which Paul so beautifully shown, which I would call the love of God. And, but we're here to demonstrate it. Amen? And so um, that's our calling. And so you're called to drink in so that you can, the river run to you and the river run through you. Amen? And so that, that is, that's the calling uh, that is upon the church right now. But it, so it's not time to be afraid. It's not time to draw back. It's time to move forward. We're going to, if the Spirit of, God, Spirit of God willing, we'll go through some Scripture to give you guys some concrete scriptural evidence of how the blessing flows in times of trouble. I mean, there's just, it's all throughout Scripture. And I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to do that. Um, but before I do that, I want to say this too. How many know that, that, you know, and I'm sure you guys have heard this analogy before, but it's such a beautiful analogy, and God created it this way, and it helps us to understand. But how many know an eagle does not fly through the storm? An eagle flies above the storm, and he doesn't get there by effort. He doesn't get there by striving. How many know there's a difference between the way an eagle soars and a chicken flaps its wings? Amen. I mean, that chicken is trying hard and that brother ain't going nowhere, you know, and he tries so hard, but he's not going. But how many know an eagle is not designed to flap? An eagle is designed to soar and he doesn't soar by effort. He soars by design. He's designed to soar like he's not designed 
to be on the ground flapping his wings, hiding. He's not, he's not, he's not designed to even, even endure the storm in the sense that he's actually in the storm. What the eagle does is when the storm comes, he actually sets his wings, just sets them, okay? And then he hits that wind, and that wind launches him above the storm, and then he's just soaring without flapping, without fear, above. See, how many know we're in this world, but we're not of it? How many know you're called to walk above the weak and beggarly elements of this life? We're not called to walk on the same plane of existence as the world. See, in this time, one of the things that's being revealed is we're finding out what we trust in. We're finding out what we trust in. That's the beauty of when things are shaken. You know, the Bible in Hebrews 13, it says, everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that that which remains uh, will be known as being solid and steadfast. If I had multiple items up here on this pulpit and one of the items was glued to the pulpit, but the rest of them are off and I asked you which one was the one that was glued, you wouldn't know. But if you shook it, you'd find out which one was solid and which one was it. And so we're living in a time where we're really finding out um, what, what we trust in. And, um, and the beauty of the way our kingdom operates is how many know you are one moment away from linking into the greatest supply that you've ever known? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, all it takes is a little adjustment in your thinking to completely change your life. And that's why teaching is so important. Because you have it all right now. You're not trying to get any more. You got everything you need. How many know you've already been blessed? Can I get an amen? You're not trying to get blessed. You are blessed. It's past tense experience, right? But the mind renewal process is that little shift in the way we see things and the way we view things will tremendously impact our lives. And so you might, you and I, we might be one, one shift, just like you were talking about that experience when God spoke to you, that you were a son. That's a, that is a moment in time when that, that shift happened in your heart. It's changed the way you view yourself. It's changed the way you view God. And it's changed the way you view the entire world that you live in. You're operating in a different plane of existence than you were before, according to your perception. And so we're all just one shift away from linking into a supply that's already present on the inside of us that maybe we didn't know was there. Anybody ever uh, had a hard time finding a phone charger? Oh, my gosh. We have a phone charger famine in the house. And you know whose fault it is? Mine. It is my fault, and everyone knows it's my fault, and everyone blames me, and they're right. <laughs> because I just, it's like I collect chargers. Like, in my brown bag, there's probably 30 chargers in there right now. Ain't nobody at the hotel got a charger. They're all right there in my bag, you know? <laughs> Amen. Praise God. But it doesn't matter how cool your phone is, if it's, if it's not connected to the power. How many ever had a hard time charging your phone? You're wiggling around. You try and get that little grain of dust out of there so you can make contact. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. We all know about it, right? Because as long as I can stay in contact with my power source, then it can produce. And I think in, in some of our lives, there's been such an expectation of evil and so much fear and so much pressure and so much all of these things pressing in on you that, that we've, 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 we've lost maybe a little bit of contact in understanding that, listen to me, your supply is unlimited. 
you are not linked to a finite system. You're not linked to something that, you know, how many know when Jesus touched the fish and the loaves, it multiplied and fed 5,000? Heaven operates in overflow. Heaven operates in infinity. Heaven operates in abundance. And, and so you are not dependent upon this world system for you and your family to flourish and to prosper. Financially, healthier bodies, your children, your marriage, everything that concerns you, everything, God wants to bless you and prosper you and increase you because he loves you. But not just because he loves you, but because he loves the people around you. He loves the person that you meet regularly at the gas station getting gas. He loves that person. He gets to make contact with them through you when you walk into that place because it's Christ that's living in you. What if God touched your button and said, pay their rent this month or pray for them or, or, or whatever? God wants to bring that blessing to you and through you so that you become a force and an influence in the earth, and you might not make the nightly news, but you'll be big news in heaven. I love the way you described how uh, just the, 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 the concept of what was important to Jesus and what was not. I talk to my wife about that all the time because I actually talked about it to her on the way down here because, in, you know, during Jesus' time, like, and every, everyone in their modern time, the big story was the Roman Empire and all this and all that. But God's eyes wasn't on that. God's eyes was on uh, uh, Joseph and Mary. That's the big story in heaven. Not Caesar. God care less about it. You know what I'm saying? God's eyes were on. So, see, your story is the big story in heaven. Your life. That's what all eyes are on. Not, not all this other stuff. It's inverted. I love how you shared that. That's so true. Amen. Because God wants to start to flow through you in such a dynamic way, it's bigger than you've ever known. I love what you're talking about, the wave. Love that. God spoke to me through waves my whole life. And so when you spoke that, it was God speaking into my heart. Uh, there's a love wave coming. Amen? And uh, you're not going to have to try not to sin. Just lean back, touch the wave. And let love lead you. Sin's going to be an afterthought. You follow me? Uh, depression, an afterthought. All of these things. Because when, when the fullness of God's love is present, can't, you can't help but serve God. The Bible says you know, the, your people will be willing in the day of your power. And there's, like, there, there's this unleashing of God's love that I believe is going to happen. Um, and... God wants to flow his influence through you personally in your local level, your local area. And in order to do that, he needs you to set your wings and set your expectation for good. Okay? Good. Now, there's a couple of things that impact our expectation. Number one, all the things I just talked about, the world, crazy stuff, fear, Etc. But the next thing that will set your expectation in a wrong way is legalism. Okay? And, and, and I say that to say this because in order for you to receive everything that God has for you, you're going to have to stop trying to get it through you. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? In order for you to receive everything that God has for you, you're going to have to stop trying to get it through your personal obedience of behavior. 
<laughs> what, a, what a strong thing to say, right? Let me clarify that. Do you want what you deserve? Or do you want what Jesus deserves? Has the new covenant not given you an opportunity to boldly have everything that Jesus deserves? He that knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. God's not looking to reward you according to your perfect physical actions of obedience. If you take that, if, that's, if that is the source of your expectation, your expectation will rise and fall upon the goodness of your day or your week. I do well, I expect good from God. I don't do well, I don't expect good from God. I expect punishment. I expect condemnation. I expect curse. We have to stop doing that. That's, that's not how the kingdom operates. Um, because the whole reason God found fault with the old covenant is how many old, the old covenant periodically tied God's hands in his ability to bless his people. How many old God could only bless his people when they were good and when they kept their end of the covenant? It's about the sacrifices and stuff. But how many know under the new covenant, this, this is a covenant between Father God and Jesus, and we've been, we've been placed inside of that. And so now, this new covenant has the ability to bring a blessing in your life that is unmerited and undeserved. Can I get an amen? And, and the reason I'm saying all that, because if your expectation is based on you, you're going to sell yourself short. How many of y'all, sometimes y'all do cool spiritual stuff, right? Every once in a while, right? Every now and then we would do something cool. And then how many of y'all, y'all have, we all have tough days too, right? We make mistakes, we say dumb stuff, eat too many brownies, amen, praise God. But as long as your expectation is set based on you, you're falling short of what Jesus paid to give you. Y'all tracking me here? See, the Bible says to come boldly to the throne of grace to attain help in time of need. God wants to pour out a blessing into your life that is a result of Jesus and his finished work on the cross, and your part is just to receive. Amen. How many know we're called to receive an abundance of grace in the gift of righteousness? Can I get an amen? We're called to receive. And so, if I, and so, and here's the litmus test of how much, you're under, how much your mind is being renewed to grace, okay? Can you expect good from God when you've made a mistake? That's the real litmus test. Because see, under legalism, like, I could expect good from God if I prayed enough, gave enough, went to church enough, clicked all my boxes, and now I'm like, okay, I'm ready to receive, now, the challenge with that is, is I have just left grace and the covenant that God so graciously gave me, and I've decided to cut a side covenant <laughs> based upon my own obedience of my own checklist, not even in, not even in the, the law of Moses. When I, have satisfied, when I have satisfied myself with my Christian obedience, I will then expect good from God. But until I do that, I'm not going to expect good. And unfortunately, what happens a lot of times is we live in a default state of condemnation where we expect bad. If you have an expectation of punishment from God, um, how many of y'all, that's condemnation? How many of y'all, that is not, <laughs> that's not your residence anymore, amen? How many of y'all, you change zip codes? You don't live on condemnation lane anymore, amen? You've left that place. And you, you've now entered into that place of righteousness, peace, and joy. 
And, and God wants to pour out his blessing on you based upon his grace, not based upon your own, you know, personal obedience. Because when, when you have an expectation of punishment and you have an expectation of evil and we're entertaining thoughts of condemnation and God being against us and us not being forgiven, I mean, oh, those are all lies. Amen? If you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, then you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? And, and, and if you haven't received, you're invited to come. Everybody's welcome. Amen? Just receive. But if we think that we are somehow not deserving of God's blessings, I mean, you know, we are at that point dishonoring the work of the cross. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus do a good job on, the, on his finished work of the cross? Did a good job, right? I dare say he did a great job, right? <laughs> Amen. Now, if he was successful, then that means that the righteousness that's been given to you as a gift carries with it that blessing of Abraham that has been given to us through the finished work of the cross. And that blessing is so powerful, and that blessing is for this life, for the here and now. We need it right here in this earth. Thank God for the blessings when we get to heaven, but how I many know I have an enemy now? I have challenges now. I need Jesus now. Amen? I need the blessing now. I need it. I need to be empowered because I have, I, have, I have challenges, you know? And so God wants to service your expectation and bring it to a place where your trust is in Jesus and his amazing grace so that your expectation is good when you do good and when you do bad. Okay? Now, I'm not absolving you from responsibility for your actions and your behavior. Can I get an amen? Let's hit that one time just to make sure that we're not making any confusion. How many know you do dumb stuff, you get dumb results? Amen. Anybody do dumb stuff? Praise God. We've done dumb stuff, get dumb results. You know, if I leave this place and I peel out towards my hotel going 100 miles an hour down the road, how many know Jesus loves me? How many know I'm forgiven? How many know I'm about to get a ticket? <laughs> Amen. With my forgiven self and my Christian, you know, bumper sticker on the back of my car and all that. Anyway, my point being is there are repercussions for your behavior, but listen to me. There is no punishment from God for you any longer. If Jesus did a good job on the cross. Did he do a good job? Okay. And so there is now a blessing that's been given to you that, that, that cannot be hurt or hampered by our failure. Amen? See, the weak link's been removed. Us. We're the weak link. We're the reason God found fault with the old covenant because we were the weak link. We couldn't, we couldn't keep it all. We couldn't do it all. So now the weak link is removed, and now God says, here, I'm going to give you freely all things through Jesus. I'm going to pour out my blessing. I have so much goodness for you, this life isn't enough. Didn't he say that? He said, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Who are those that love him? Those that know how much he loves them. And God has these blessings for us. God has this, 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 this preparation for us that he wants to pour out. And he does not want our expectation 
to be set based upon our own, based upon us at all. Amen? He wants our expectation to be based purely upon Jesus. Amen? And so what that, what that develops in your life is that, because here's the thing. How many know when you make a mistake, how many know grace abounds? Okay, get an amen. How many know mistakes are not greater than grace? Grace is greater than mistakes. And so when you've fallen and failed, God actually has goodness and blessing that will lead you to repentance. Anybody experience the goodness of God when you didn't deserve it? Did it not have a greater impact upon your heart than when you felt like you deserved it? See, there's two different mentalities you can take in the kingdom. You can have the first hour worker mentality, or you can have the 11th hour worker mentality. First hour worker comes based upon a contract. This is what I deserve for what I've done. And how many know that is one way to operate? But how many know that is still trusting in my own goodness, in my own effort, in my own ability to earn, right? But how many know the 11th hour worker could only trust in the goodness of the master? And when he came to the master, he didn't come based on the contract of what he did right or what he did wrong. He came based upon simply the goodness of the master. Are y'all tracking me here? And see, the issue is not how long you've been laboring in the field. How many of a first-hour worker, 11th-hour worker, the amount of time is irrelevant. The issue is your attitude. Do you think we could maintain an 11th-hour worker attitude all the days of our life if we just remain in grace and expect good from God that we didn't deserve? Do you think that blessing might overwhelm us to the point where we'd fall in love with him and serve him with everything that we have because he's so good to us? Isn't that what happened to Abraham? I mean, like Abraham, 430 years before the law, lived in a picture of perfect grace. And the only thing you ever see God do to Abraham is blessing. Blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. All the days of his life. You never see God uh, rebuke Abraham. You never see God, you don't even see, even see God correct Abraham. But you know what you do see? You see the goodness of God lead Abraham to a place where he falls in love with the master so much that he is a man of great faith because he was shown nothing but goodness. I mean, two of the major times where Abraham received the most blessing is when he was an idiot. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, like, coward, won't take care of his wife and lied about his wife, right? And they did it again. And both times the Lord was like, wham. Didn't rebuke him, blessed him. Rebuked the king around him. You know why? Because, he had a, because he's the picture of what a, a man who is righteous by faith, what his life is supposed to look like. How I many you know righteousness was imputed to Abraham? Amen? It's imputed to him. And so, but the goodness of God, God was good to Abraham all the days of his life. All the days of his life poured out his goodness, poured out his goodness. And so finally when God was ready to ask Abraham for something, like the most precious thing in his life, give me your firstborn. He didn't hesitate. He didn't stop. He didn't blink an eye. He got up the next day, saddled his donkey, and said, let's go. Because the goodness of God, the blessing of the Lord had taught him to trust this God. Because the Bible says in 2 Peter that he believed that, that uh, God was able to raise his son from the dead. Because he had only known goodness. 
He'd only known blessing. He'd only known grace. He'd only known the goodness of God. And so that goodness led Abraham to the place where, he, where when God required of him an act of obedience greater than any act that had ever been required of any man that I've ever seen in Scripture, Abraham was immediately ready to do it because the goodness of God taught him to trust God. Are y'all tracking me here? And what I'm showing you is this goodness that God has a, a plan to pour out into your lives is not going to lead you into a licentious lifestyle. It's not going to lead you down a pathway of sin. It's going to cause you to fall in love with the Father. To where the engine of your life ceases to be obligation, the engine of your life becomes gratitude. You, you're just so thankful and so grateful that you're living in a state of gratitude. How many of you know the quality of your life is not based on the abundance of things you have or the things around you? Quality of your life is based on your gratitude. I can check your spiritual temperature by checking your gratitude. It is your spiritual barometer, not the abundance of knowledge, not your gifts. Are you thankful? And see, if you're thankful, you're living in reality. If you're not, you're deluded. <laughs> Can a guy, I, I mean, I don't know strong words, but <laughs> praise God. <laughs> it's true, though. Listen, do, you, do we not have so much to be thankful for? So much. If the only thing that we were ever given from the Lord was eternal life, it'd probably be pretty good. <laughs> but how many know? He's given you so much. He's rescued you so many times. He's went and he's found you and he's drug you out of places you shouldn't have been in. And he's rescued you and he saved you and he's blessed you. And look how he's revealed the gospel to you. You are in this church hearing the, God, the true, pure gospel. Amen? And so gratitude is reality. Don't allow the offended anger and bitterness that's in this world to infiltrate your heart and cause you to be a complainer rather than a thanksgiver. Don't join the line. You're being in line with people and they want to be mad because they're in line and they're looking for somebody to complain with. They're looking around, hey, let's get mad at this, cash, this person who's working a cash register. You know, let's, let's pour out all our anger on her or him or whatever. And they're looking I, I, I will not subscribe to that. If you want to be angry, do it by yourself, bro. Because <laughs> I'm happy and thankful, and I'm not going to let your offense begin to infiltrate and deposit bitterness in my heart and in my life. Amen? How I many of your gratitude is so important? And so God wants to bring us into this place of His grace and His blessing and he wants to take the chains off of your expectations so that you will expect good all the time. Now, the, and see, Paul preached this, and it's such a radical concept that it's very easy to be misunderstood. And that's why they would say, hey, man, this dude, Paul, he said, let's do evil that good may come. That's what they thought Paul was saying. Because he preached the gospel so hard and so strong, they said, this dude's saying, let's do bad stuff and God will bless us. Now, he said about their words, he says, their condemnation is just. He's like, that's dumb. I would never say that, you know. Um, and he agrees with his critics. He's like, that's awful. I would never say that. But the reason that they say that is because anytime you fail, anytime you fall, anytime you fall short, God doesn't have a backhand for you. He's got a helping hand. He said, come on, son, let's get up. 
Come on, you're better than this. Let's go. Always, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And as you keep falling and he keeps rescuing you and you fall and he rescues you, slowly you will completely fall in love with him. You, you tracking me here? And you become wooed by the, by, the, by the Lord's love. Now, how I many under legalism, it's not that type of relationship. Legalism, you're trying to climb a ladder and ring a bell and get to the top and kick somebody else down in the process. <laughs> oh, here comes sister. You know, <laughs> Gosh, I'm so glad I don't have to be around that anymore, man. I don't do well in those environments, man. Praise God. I'm just glad to just be a regular person. Amen. Anyway, <laughs> I hate all that stuff, all that competition and stuff. But that's, that's the environment that legalism gives. It's, it's climbing a ladder. But God wants to bring your expectation to expecting. Can you expect what Jesus deserves? Those are strong words, aren't they? Well, let me ask you a question. Is there anything wicked in Jesus? Is there anything bad in Jesus? Where are you? That means you're pretty good. <laughs> Amen? And so you're, you are now, how many know you, you've left your identity on the shores of Calvary? You let go of you. It's actually not about us. And you now are in Christ. How I many know oh, you've laid down your filthy rags of self-righteousness? And now you are in Christ. And so now God wants to develop an expectancy in you that will allow you to soar over the storm. And not like a chicken flap your wings through the wind and the waves. You're designed to soar. Just set your expectation. How do you do that, Jeremiah? Consent to be loved. The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. Hope, once again, is that word El Peace. It's that word expectation. When you know how much God loves you, you don't have to be afraid of what the news is telling you. When you know how much God loves you, you don't have to be afraid of what prophet so-and-so is telling you. Let me hit that real quick. <clears throat> um, the purpose of, prof of the prophetic gifting in the new covenant is to exhort, to encourage, and to comfort. If someone gets up with a prophetic gifting and what they're saying is producing fear in people, I would question what frequency they're tuned into. Amen? Because a true prophetic word should bring encouragement, comfort, and edification. When you hear the loving voice of your father through one of his sons or daughters, which is what the prophetic is, it should encourage you. It should never make you fearful. And there's so many daggone videos going around on Facebook right now of, of you know, everybody and their brother and their sister and their uncle and their aunt with words from the Lord about how bad everything is and how bad everything is going to be. And I'm here to tell you right now, I'm not saying that things aren't challenging. I'm not, saying, I'm, not, I'm not living a Pollyanna lie where I think everything's just awesome. But what I'm saying is he that is within you is greater than he that's in the world. You're, you're a part of a kingdom that's more powerful than the kingdoms, than, than the governments of the earth. Everything that's going on. Amen? And, and God wants to, he wants to allow your expectation to be set based upon Jesus so that there's an expectation of good so that you can set that and then you can soar above it and not fly below it. 
Amen? Y'all tracking me here? Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Let's turn to Jeremiah. Verse 17. Because we are, we are rooted in something that's greater and stronger um, than the things that are going on. You know? Um, how many know there, there's no storm that can tear down your house? The root of the righteous shall not be moved. Amen? And uh, you have a, a solid foundation. And so in, in Jeremiah ver- chapter 17, verse 5, it says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. How many of y'all know that a tree that's planted by the river is unafraid of drought? A tree that's planted by the river is unaffected by drought. How many know that there is an unceasing fruitfulness that God wants to bring into your life during a time of drought so that you will bring forth fruit and bring forth fruit? Not so you can boast in you, so you can take your fruit and you can hand it out. So you can give it to somebody. And then you can point people to Jesus. See, the blessing that's upon your life and and the things that God's going to pour into you, this is a real key element of it. Never take credit for any of it. That's extremely important. If you take credit for it, you're now a first-hour worker with a transaction card, boasting in yourself. Everything that comes into your life, attribute it to Jesus and His amazing grace. Everything. And in doing so, it will keep you, free, keep you free from the most venomous force against believers. What is the most venomous force against believers? Pride. It's the only thing. See, pride's the only thing that frustrates grace. The only thing. I mean, the Bible says that God uh, gives grace to the humble but resists the proud. And so pride is the one thing that really obstructs grace. And so if everything that's poured into my life, if I'll just give Jesus the credit for it and point to Jesus, then when people are eating the fruit that's coming off my vine during a time of famine because I'm planted by the rivers of living water trusting in the Lord, I'm not going to point to Jeremiah Johnson. I'm going to point to Jesus Christ. I'm not going to point to my church. I'm going to point to Jesus Christ. I'm not going to give them, you know, you know, 15 steps on what they got to do to be like me. I'm going to point to Jesus Christ. Because if it is an unmerited, undeserved blessing that comes from the Lord, it means everybody can come get some for free. Can I get an amen? And whosoever will may come. And so in, in understanding that, I will keep myself safe from pride. Can I get an Amen. See, your greatest challenges are not your failures, it's your victories. Amen. It's true. Your, your, your vic- See, grace will give you the victory. <laughs> it will. But then if you start to like take credit for it and start to bring attention and focus to yourself and start to develop a sense of pride, then you'll frustrate that grace, and it becomes all about you. You know what happens next? This. Boom. That's called a fall. Amen. I mean, you know, pride comes before a fall, right? Why do you fall? Because the, the, because the grace has been frustrated, amen? And, and so what we want to do is we want to stay safe, and we want to continue 
to stay thankful, gives Jesus the credit, gives Jesus the glory, and so that when people eat the fruit that's on our vine, we point them to Jesus and not ourselves. Amen? Extremely important here. But the context that it's talking about is trusting in man or trusting in the Lord. Then Bible, you know, and further up it says, he that trusts in man is cursed, but he that trusts in the Lord is blessed. And so what I was saying earlier is we're, we're, everything's being shaken and we're kind of finding out what we're trusting in. But how many know the beauty of us, and I said this earlier, in just a moment you can change what you trust in. In just a moment you can bring your trust back to the Lord. How many know you get some big crazy bill in the mail? Ah! Got to put my trust back in the Lord. Get some, you know, crazy medical report. Ah! Got to put my trust back in the Lord. How I many know we don't want what we can produce? We don't want what we can do in our own strength. We want what He can give. Amen? And, and so what that means is it's, it's, it's a place of trust it's a place of rest, and it's a place of blessing, and it's a place of just staying connected and rooted to something greater than what this world has to bring against us. Amen? And so God has a plan of unceasing fruitfulness for you in this season. Do you think the trees that bring forth fruit during famine stand out? I think they do. If no, if no tree has fruit on it except a few, where are people going to come? To the trees that have fruit. Amen? And, and in that place, how many know that fruit is the greatest sower of seed ever? How many know nature loves fruit? All the, all the animals, they come for the fruit, right? But how many know they get the seed? And then they plant the seed. Amen? Don't make me do a science lesson. Can I get an amen? Y'all know what I'm saying. But there is a place of evangelism and people getting saved as a result of your kindness and you helping people out. Your love, your peace, your joy, the blessing flowing through your life. Can I get an amen? This is what, this is what God has for you. And so now, let's turn to Genesis 12. And I'm just going to quickly give you some structure for your expectation. Genesis chapter 12 and, you know, we, we, we're going to take a look at Abraham for, here, for just a moment. And I alluded to this earlier, but if you don't know what's in the blessing of Abraham, study it. Because it's, what, it's one of the things, Jesus, one of the reasons that Jesus died, one of the reasons that Jesus uh, died the death of the cross and took the curse, he redeemed us from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham would come upon us. I'm telling you right now, this thing's so powerful. It's so strong. Can't nothing defeat this blessing. So powerful, right? And so we want that thing operative in our lives. How I many you know you need something strong right now? Can I get an amen? You need, you need greater is he that's inside of you than he that's in the world. Amen? And, and this blessing, um, it's, it's a, how I many know, I mean, know it's a financial blessing? I mean, this, I'm, can, I get a, can I get a little bit louder of an amen than that? Come on. How many know the Bible says Abraham was rich in silver, cattle, and gold? That's what it says. It made it so clear so no one could over-spiritualize this blessing. Amen. How many know that, that maybe through your life and through your help, you could set somebody free from prostitution? Do you know why people sell their bodies? For money. 
They don't do it because they enjoy it. They do it for money. Why people sell drugs? For money. Poverty is the destruction of the poor. And there's no place in God where there's poverty. There's no poverty in, in heaven. Can I get an amen? There's no poverty in the kingdom. You bring stuff around Jesus, it just multiplies. And so God wants to, to use your life to help set people free. Can I get an amen? And, and, and so Abraham, rich in silver, cattle, and gold. How many know that, that God protected Abraham? He was his shield. How many know five armies went after Abraham? Or five, Abraham went after five armies, actually, with 318 trained servants and conquered five armies. How many know that's supernatural? Amen. His youth was renewed. His wife's youth was renewed. Um, the list goes on and on. And I can't really teach on that right now, but I would encourage you to just really understand that blessing so that you can enjoy that in your life. But Genesis chapter 12 and verse 10, it says, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. And so God called Abraham out, and all of a sudden there's this massive famine that hits the earth, right? And so he goes down in Egypt. Go to Genesis 12 and verse 17. Drop down to verse 17. And I mean, know that, 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 you know, of course, Abraham lied, made a mistake, cowardly, messed it up. But then the Lord covered him. And in verse 17, it says, The Lord plagued Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. And Pharaoh called Abraham and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why have you not told me that she is your wife? Why did you not say she's my sister? I've taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, she is your wife. Take her and go your way. And then he left in Genesis 13 and verse 1. Then Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him to the south. Abraham was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. Now, if you look in, that, in the context of that chapter, how many know that Pharaoh poured out blessing on him? Even in the midst of Abraham's mistake, even in the midst of going into Egypt to dwell during a time of famine, how I many know Abraham comes out blessed? Amen? And then we, we go forward uh, in Genesis 26, and we see the same blessing in, in Isaac's life. Once again, here comes a time of famine. And listen, folks, the reason I'm saying all of this is not for Bible trivia, but like this, this stuff, it's happening now in the earth. And God has a plan to bless you now, amen, uh, to, to, to bless you and to increase you and give you influence so that you can help people and so that you can love people. Genesis 26 and in verse 12, it says, Then Isaac sowed in that land, in the time of famine, and reaped in that same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Now, you have to understand this. Here is Isaac, and if you look at the context, um, his dad went to Egypt, but out of a place of relationship, he didn't do what his dad did. The Lord said, stay in this land, sow in this land. See, because how many know the blessing is upon you, but the fruition of it in your life a lot of times is going to be led on your ability to be led by God's Spirit. How many know God will lead you in what to do? Amen? And so God, that blessing was upon Isaac's life, but God spoke to him and said, sow in this land. And so in a time of famine, when no one else is reaping, he's reaping a hundred times on everything that he sows. How many of y'all, that's going to make him stand out? Now, during his time, it just made him stand out to show that the blessing of the Lord was upon his life. But how many know in this time, you're, you're, you're called to stand out so you can help somebody? Can you get an amen? You're called to be blessed so that you can help people, so that you can love people. Amen? It says, the man began to prosper 
and continued prospering until he became very prosperous, for he had possessions of flock, possessions of herds, and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. During a time of famine, Abraham was blessed. Isaac was blessed. I mean, you know, in Joseph's time, tremendous time of famine. Famine hit the entire world. But how many know that during that time of famine that God brought Joseph into Egypt and gave him a position of influence and power so that Joseph could bring his family, could bring his people into a place called Goshen? And how many know that when there was darkness in Egypt, there was still light in Goshen? Amen. When there were plagues going crazy in Egypt, there was still light and life in Goshen. Now, once again, I say all that to say this. How many know God is not against anybody on this planet? How many know we don't have flesh and blood enemies any longer? Amen. We have an enemy, but it's not a person. And so, how many know that this this place of promise, this place of blessing, this Goshen that God has created for you and your family is a place of safety, is a place of provision, is a place of protection? But how many know it's not to seclude you and mark you out as being loved and these other people as not being loved? How many know that when gross darkness covers the earth and darkness covers the people, the light shall arise upon you and people shall come to the brightness of your rising? So Goshen is not a segregated, secluded place that people aren't invited to any longer. I mean, you know, Goshen, everyone can come to Goshen now. Can I get an amen? Everyone can come to the Father's house. Everyone can be rooted and grounded in, in a supply that never ceases and never ends. How many know that everyone's invited to come to God now? Can I get an amen? So that place of Goshen, that place of blessing, that place of light is a safe place, is a place of protection, but it's also a place where Jesus becomes attractive to the masses, to the world. Amen. As an atheist, drug addict, alcoholic, heathen, lunatic, <laughs> amen, the church was very unattractive to me. I mean, I look at it and think, they just got more rules, you know? Like, I got enough rules. I don't need any more rules. You know, if this stuff's real, I'll just get saved before I die. <laughs> that was my thought process. <laughs> amen. <laughs> but like, it just did not look like a good time over there. It was like, dang, that's rough, man. Y'all, y'all got all kinds of don'ts, you know? And it was not attractive to me. But how many know, truly, 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 the kingdom is not about a don't. The kingdom's a do. And, and, and so in this place of blessing and hope and love, how many know that place becomes attractive and people want to be around that? My, my family and I, anytime we go anywhere, we attract kids. Like, they just, they just slowly start inching. And it's weird during, during the, uh, what are we in right now? What is this thing called? Pandemic, quarantine, whatever. Praise God. Election year, uh, 2020. Amen. <laughs> um, it's weird. You, you just don't know if people, you want to let your kids play with it? I, mean, I don't mind, but I don't know that everybody else minds. But slowly the kids just start to draw in. Then they get closer and closer. And next thing you know, we're just, we're honestly always surrounded by kids. Amen. And the reason that happens is Jesus. It's love, it's peace, it's joy. There, how many know wherever Jesus was, there was an atmosphere of acceptance, not rejection? Amen. See, unfortunately, in, in, in legalistic Christianity, we're so known by what we reject. And it really shouldn't be like that. 
you know, as, as an unbeliever, I hated Christians. <laughs> you know, I mean, like I tried to stay as far away from you guys as I possibly could, you know. And, but something about Jesus, how I many you know Jesus attracted sinners? You couldn't keep sinners away from Jesus. They rip a roof off a house and drop him in if they have to. They don't care why they want to be around him. Why they want to be around him? Because there's an atmosphere of acceptance and love around him where you found your value in Jesus. Mary Magdalene can look into the eyes of Jesus and not feel shame, not feel unworthy, but find value. I see value in the Son of God's eyes. Amen? And so there was, a, there was an attraction. Sinners were attracted to Jesus. How I many know in your place of Goshen, in your place of blessing, in your place of an unmerited, undeserved favor, a blessing that you did not earn and you did not deserve based solely upon the finished work of the cross, there's so much light, there's so much love, there's so much blessing and provision and safety and hope and expectation that people want to be around you. And you don't have to pelt them with Scripture and you don't have to condemn them, and you don't have to judge them. Just enjoy Jesus. Live your life. Let the blessing flow to you. Let the blessing flow through you, and change the earth. <laughs> change the earth. You're the salt. You're the light. You're the preservative. You're, you're the answer. For what's going on right now, the answer is you. I mean, seriously. It's just the, that's the flat-out truth right now. You're the answer. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Because when the church rises up and we begin to really operate in what God has for us, um, we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make a difference. We're gonna make a change. How I many we're called to be peacemakers? Can I get an amen? And so, but how I many know that? <laughs> In order for this to really happen, you have to set your expectation on what Jesus deserves and not what you deserve. And that's where your heart gets established in grace and you start to get your mind renewed to the new covenant. Do you expect good when you fail from God? Do you expect good from God when you fail? Do you? It's an audacious statement, isn't it? It's offensive to moralism. But see, the goodness of God will lead you to change. God's goodness doesn't... How I many know when the father showed his goodness to the prodigal son, he didn't run back out and go back to the pig pen? No, he found out it was better at the father's house. Amen? And so, I just encourage you to allow your expectation to be based upon Jesus and Jesus alone. Can I get an Amen? Just let it be Jesus, only Jesus. And then, then let that expectation, you know, thrive and arrive out of that place so that when that blessing comes, man, we can become those safe places and those places of, of Goshen, those places of, of protection in the earth. Amen? Amen. Because uh, I'm telling you, just the, the great, our greatest days are upon us, man. And uh, it's, it's really, it's exciting times, man. And there, there's, there's, there's so much... That's, that's going on in the earth right now, and there's so much that's not being reported by the news. You know what I'm saying? I mean, man, I'm telling you what, there's so much, there's so many good things that are happening um, that's not being reported by the news, but this sleeping giant called the church is being awakened. We have more power than anybody in the earth. 
We do. We have the Christ. We have the Creator living on the inside of us. Amen? And uh, between, and you know, and I think it's good for us to be persecuted. I do. I mean, we, 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 we have a tendency to not, when, do you know that there's no church division in China? <laughs> they don't have a, first, you know, first, second, and third Baptist church and, you know, and, you know, the Pentecostals and the, they just got the church, the underground church. And they're so persecuted that they have to be unified in order to survive. And so this element of persecution that is arising, again, can y'all see it on the horizon? <laughs> I mean, it's already here, but it's like, there's some, there's some, there's some, <laughs> there's persecution that's coming, but it's going to be really good for us. Because it's going to cause us, you ever be, you ever be in, like in, in your marriage, for example, you know, you may be in a place where you're kind of bickering a little bit or arguing a little bit, you know, but then you have a common enemy arise, like a problem. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden you're united and there, there, there's a, there's a unity that happens because you both have a, you have this common enemy, you know? And I feel like there's a place where in the church, persecution's really good for us because it allows us to get over our pettiness <laughs> and our and our smallness and our and all of that stuff and really recognize the big picture. Can I get an amen? And and, and recognize that we're all on the same team. It's one of the things that Grace has really helped me do. Initially Grace made me angry at the legalists. You know, when you first come out of legalism you're like you're like William Wallace, you know, freedom, you know. You come out just mad, you know. Martin Luther's the same way you look at some of his writings, this brother's mad. You know, he's, he's going to cuss in his writings. You know, the blankety-blank pope, you know, and just, <laughs> I mean, he's hardcore, man. And there's like a season of that. There is. But if you'll, and then, you know, you have that season. And then you have that season, we talked about the Grace Pharisee season, where you think you're awesome because you know Grace and you're so much more enlightened than everybody else and you're just amazing. We know that season too, right? But then you keep walking down the Grace Road and eventually you get to the place where you just stop being such a, punk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And like, Amen. we don't belittle other believers. We don't, we don't judge them based upon their doctrine. We don't segregate them. We don't downsize them. We don't downplay them. Can we agree on Jesus? If we can agree on Jesus, we can agree on the most important thing. Can I get an amen? And I see a, just a synergy and a working together that's going to arise in the body of Christ. It's going to cross denominational lines and you may be side by side with someone that may not understand grace like you, but I'd encourage you to just keep your hand to the plow and keep moving forward because God's working on that person. Amen? And you can't be anybody's Holy Ghost. Can I get an amen? And you can't make nobody have a revelation of grace. Can I get an amen? You can't do it. You can't do it. It's between them and the Lord. But what we can do is we can lay, as you get, get, you know, get our minds renewed to this, we can become a team player in the body of Christ. And we can start to work together. That's one of the things God's done in my life. Last year, God put me in a situation where I was leading a, a youth ministry up from, from several different churches. And uh, a Presbyterian church, a Methodist church, a Christian church, faith church. And I was, I was leading all that youth. And like... <laughs> I would have moments like, what in the world am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? Oh, yeah, that's right. God told me to. That's right. Because when I would preach, all those pastors would be there. 
Yeah. And they're staring me down. And I'm thinking, why don't y'all invite me? <laughs> like, if you don't like me so much. What? But what, what happened, it happened, it was about a year I did that. And what I realized, you know what? I learned things from those people. And they understood things that I didn't understand. And they sharpened me in ways that I wasn't sharp. Never think you have it all. And never think you can't learn from somebody. And you know what? I, we worked together with those churches, and it was a beautiful thing. We got to bless all these kids, and kids got saved, and a lot of wonderful things happened out of it as a result. And what I realized is grace will lead me to not judge my brother and sister based upon the light that they're currently walking in and just see the Christ in them because the work's too big for one segment of the body of Christ to finish. Are y'all tracking me here? We're going to have to, as grace folks, we're going to have to learn how to work together with other people. Can I get an amen? Now, I'm not saying you're going to work together with everybody. I'm not saying that it's going to happen with everybody. But how many know there are people that God wants to place in your life that if you don't chill out, <laughs> you're not going to be connected with them because you're too busy fighting them. Amen. See, the only reason Nicodemus could come to Jesus in the night is because he felt comfortable doing it. Amen. Couldn't do it in the day. wasn't ready for that yet. But he came in the night. And you know what? Jesus didn't reject him. What? You can't come in the daytime? You got to come in the night? What? You got to message me on Facebook? <laughs> you got to talk smack about what I preached and message me on Facebook asking me a question? <laughs> How many know that God is going to bring people to Nicodemus into your life? I'm talking about people coming, legalists, Pharisees, etc., coming and asking you questions. And if you're so busy throwing stones at them, you're not going to be able to help them. Can I get an amen? They are not the enemy. The doctrine's the enemy. They're children of God. Didn't we all used to be legalists pretty much, you know? Every, every Saul is one donkey slip away from becoming a Paul. Amen? <laughs> and so I, I see this place where as the body of Christ, we begin to, to really work together and we lay down our... I've seen it. Have y'all seen it? Amen. I've seen it, man. I, one of the things I think has been really good for the church is all the churches to shut down. <laughs> I think it's been so good for everybody because we stopped identifying with the building and we recognized that ministry could happen outside of a building. And you know what else it did? It forced a lot of these other people that weren't online to get online, which is good. Amen? And, and it was really, it, it allowed us, because we have a tendency, we want to identify with something, and all of our identity for a moment was like stripped away, and all we had was Jesus and our families. You know what I'm saying? And I think it was really good for us, you know? And I don't think God engineered the virus or did a blah, 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 blah. God doesn't do bad things. God does good things. But I do think that when bad things happen, God will work them together for good. Amen? And, and so um, that place of identifying not with your building or denomination or even your revelation is a good place. And then I just see the body of Christ, man, really starting to come together and to work together and just centering around Jesus. Amen? Because those people, like, you know, I'm trying to think if they're watching <laughs> You look up at the line. What? I mean, some of them folks believe some crazy stuff, man. Like, no scripture. Like, at all, you know. And I'm not going to get into all that. But, but what, I had, what I realized is these people care about people. They love people. They're on our team. They're on our side. Amen? 
And I really feel like there's a, there's a transition, there's a move in that in the body of Christ, we're going to be working together with, with other people. But what I, what I really want to encourage you is just don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Set your wings. Set your expectation. It's time to soar. Amen? And man, God wants to pour out a blessing on your life so that so you know, you're a tree that's planted by the rivers of living water. Can I get an amen? You're a tree that has an opportunity to have an unceasing fruitfulness. Can I get an amen? And, and the, but the key here is you're really going to have to just, you got to remove that little, the, the, the system of merit in your mind concerning God's blessing. God's blessing is never earned. Okay? Now, I understand we have to be faithful, and, and you know, and God will, will help teach us and grow us according to, you know, as, you know, he gives us something, we're faithful over it, all of these things. But, I mean, you know, everybody that got healed by Jesus was a sinner. Sin does not stop God from flowing, man. If, if sin stopped God from flowing, he couldn't get anything done in the earth after the fall, you know? And this, this, this blessing, just, just let your expectation be set on Jesus, amen? And I would encourage you to study the blessing of Abraham and get that so down into your heart because that is what's really going to carry you through this season. Anybody ever try to hold a beach ball underwater? How I many it pops right back up? Amen. That righteousness, that favor that's upon your life, it's unstoppable. Amen. And um, God wants to, God wants to just bless you. So anyway, I'm going to close here, but I'm just going to read this. I'm going to read this passage to you because this is a prophetic passage about what's happening right now in the earth. And I'm just going to read it to you. It's Isaiah. If you guys want to turn to Isaiah 60. I quoted it a few times, but this is what's happening right now in the earth. Isaiah 60 in verse 1, it says, Arise and shine, for your light has come. This is talking to you as an individual, as your family, your marriage, your children, your church. Arise and shine. What's going to be shining? The Christ on the inside of you. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. Have we not seen that? Is in the day and age that we're living in almost like a bad movie. You're just like, is this real? Like, is this really happening? My wife and I, we say that all the time. But there is, there's darkness that, that covers the earth. There's deep darkness upon the people. But it says, the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. This is God blessing you. This is you bringing forth fruit in a time of famine. This is you uh, abiding in Goshen, abiding in Jesus, abiding in the blessing of the Lord. Now listen, I'm not saying you're not going to have challenges. You're going to have challenges. But the Lord is going to lead you to overcome. Can I get an amen? How I many of you are called to be a victor? You're called to overcome. Amen? And we overcome through his love for us. It says, lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons and your daughters shall come from afar. Your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your hearts shall swell with joy. To me, these are those people in your family that are not serving the Lord, that are not you know, actively pursuing the Lord, not necessarily in a relationship with the Lord. I mean, you know, God is going to bring them back, amen, to a place of restoration. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. And then it starts just going through all these different things, gold and incense and all of these different things. This is representing financial blessing. And it says, and, and I will glorify the house of my glory. 
Who are these who fly like a cloud and like doves to their roost? Surely the coastlands shall wait for me, and the ships of Tarshish will come first to bring your sons from afar, their silver and their gold, to the name of the Lord your God, to the Holy One of Israel, because he has glorified you. The sons of foreigners shall build your walls, and kings shall minister to you. I have had mercy on you. Therefore, your gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day or night, that men may bring to you the wealth of the Gentiles. Let's defund the porn industry. Can I get an Amen. Let's defund all of this darkness that's abiding and, 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 and happening. I mean, it's happening right now, people. There are, more, there, there are more people being arrested for sex trafficking than has ever happened in the history of our nation. These people get popped left and right, man. I mean, they're just going down. Why? Because darkness is being revealed. And uh, it's a powerful thing. It's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. And God wants to defund uh, all, of the, all of this darkness and sin. And he wants to do it by bringing it into your life. And it says, in their kings and possession, the nations, the kingdoms shall not serve you, shall perish, and the nations shall be utterly ruined. And the glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the pine, the box tree, to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. And also the sons of those who afflict you shall come bowing to you, and they who despise you shall fall prostrate to you. So whereas you have been forsaken and hated, so that no one went through you, I will make you an eternal excellence and a joy of many generations. Now listen to me. How many know the church has been scoffed at and looked down upon for a long time and has been seen as ugly. You know why the church has been ugly? Because legalism is ugly. It is ugly. There's nothing cool about it. It's just, it's darkness. But how many know God wants to make the church beautiful again? How's he going to do this? Is it stained glass windows and cathedrals? No, it's Jesus. (laughs) How many know when Jesus is in center stage of his house, it becomes a beautiful place? Amen? And then he goes on and says, You shall drink the milk of the Gentiles and the breasts of kings. You shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, your Redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. Instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, I will bring bronze. How many know this is redemption? Things that have been taken from you, things that have been stolen from you, things that have been cheapened, God's going to restore. And I will make your officers peace and your magistrates righteousness. Violence shall no longer be heard in your land. That's a good word, isn't it? Violence shall no longer be heard in your land. This is in conjunction with the blessing that is upon your life. Amen. Amen. So much anger right now. So much rage. This is the most violent year I've ever seen in America. That I've ever seen. But God's got an answer. And that answer is Jesus and his blessing upon your life. Violence shall no longer be heard in your land. Neither shall wasting nor destruction within your borders. But you shall call your wall salvation and your gates praise. Glory to God in the highest. Amen. And so, don't allow the world to set your expectation. Don't allow the news to set your expectation. Don't allow doom and gloom prophets to set your expectation. Don't allow legalism to set your expectation. Don't allow you to set your expectation. What are you talking about there? I'm saying, when I do good, I, I, I deserve blessing. When I do bad, I deserve curse. That's not a New Testament mindset. That's an Old Testament mindset. I'm not encouraging you to do evil, but I'm saying that when evil happens, God will rescue you and bring good. Can I get an amen? And so you set your expectation 
simply and purely upon Jesus. Amen? And then out of that place, you have an expectation of... So what does this mean in the, in the practical sense? Monday, what are you expecting on Monday? What are you expecting tomorrow? Blessing. Good. Amen? Set your heart for an expectation of that. Amen? And then what will happen is that that place of safety, that place of blessing, your, your, your house will become a place of safety and a place of blessing for other people, and you'll be able to help people and love people. And, you know, how I many you know, praise God, the government can't answer everything. Amen. Jesus can. Amen. How's he going to do it? Through us. He's going to do it through us. Amen? And so I want to encourage you to expect a blessing that you did not earn and you did not deserve to protect you and to keep you and to set you up like Joseph. How I many of you know Joseph had tremendous influence? God wants to make you a Joseph in your city, in your family, in your workplace, so that when people come, they can have bread. What bread are we talking about? Jesus, the bread of life. Amen? And so I know these are tough days, but these are the best days for the church. And there are other places I could have went in Scripture to talk about where there was blessing in times of famine. We don't have time for that. But these are the best days, and I just want you to set your expectations. So I just want to pray for you. Father, I just thank you for all these wonderful people. And, Lord, I just thank you that we can expect what Jesus deserves. And, Lord, I thank you. Uh, we're not absolved from responsibility for our behavior. No, 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 no. Lord, I thank you that your love leads us. Your love leads us. Your love compels us and constrains us. Your goodness causes us, like Abraham, to live a life that glorifies your name, to live a life of trust. And Lord, I just thank you that these here, your people, are special people. Their hearts are open to receive. And I thank you that their expectation is not set by the spirit of this world, but their expectation is set by the kingdom of God. I thank you, Lord, that they are trees planted by the rivers of living water. And Lord, if you've revealed, if you've revealed in them that there's an area where they, where, where they were not trusting in you, but they were trusting in themselves, I think they just make a little switch right now and just click. Just put their trust in you and enter back into that place of rest. And Lord, I thank you that the blessing that you intend to pour out upon their lives is going to be a blessing not only to them, Lord, but to all those around them. And Lord, we thank you for all the people that are going to come to Jesus and be saved during this season. Let the kindness of God, let the love of God just roll through our lives and our families and our marriages and our children and our grandchildren, our businesses, our ministries. Let us be salt. Let us be light. Let us be the preservative. Let us be the peacemakers. Let us be the answer. Let us carry the name of Jesus in our mouths. When they come to us, say, why are you so hopeful? What is the hope that you have? We don't tell them our church. We don't tell them our favorite preacher. We don't point them to ourselves. We point them to Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that we carry that name upon our lips and we're quick to give you the glory. We're quick to point people to you. And Lord, I thank you that slowly, slowly, slowly that all eyes turn on Jesus. All the church, eyes turning on Jesus. Legalists getting their eyes off of themselves and their labors, but eyes turning on Jesus.
The lost eyes turning on Jesus. Lord, we thank you that even though darkness has covered the earth, even though gross darkness has covered the people, darkness is never greater than light. Light and darkness don't fight. Light comes, darkness leaves. These are your children. These are children of light. They are bearers of light. They carry light. Everywhere they go, they shine. I thank you that no mask can cover the glory of the countenance that is upon their face. That when people see their face, they see a glow, they see Jesus. And there's no mask that can cover that. I think that in their eyes there is a love. In their eyes there is a joy. In their eyes there is a peace. And people whose eyes are filled with trouble and turmoil can look into their eyes and find hope and be drawn to them. And we would share the simple gospel of the good news that our God is not mad, but he's taking care of all sin and everybody's welcome into the Father's house. I thank you that we become carriers of the gospel. We become our feet, our peace. Everywhere we stand is peace. Everywhere we stand is our promised land. We occupy it. We live in days of heaven upon the earth. We live in days of heaven upon the earth. We, I just I want to lead you on a confession. Say, say this after me. Say, I believe that Jesus did a good job on the cross. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I receive everything Jesus deserves to the glory of God. Father, we thank you. We receive it. Let it roll, Lord. Let the wave roll in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, guys.